0: You're listening to audio from Citizens Church in Birmingham, Alabama. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn more about Citizens, please visit CitizensBHM.com. The arrival of Jesus means that we can put our hope in God. That is the one thing you can check out now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The arrival of Jesus means that we can put our hope in God. Um, The topic at hand this morning is hope. It's where we're starting. I frankly refuse to belabor a definition of hope. You know what it means. Um, You've probably used the word twice this morning and 10 times this week. Um, I hope my uncle is chill this Thanksgiving. I hope the kids last longer than they did last year. I hope the kids tank sooner than they did last year. I hope they like this gift. And so these are, of course, basic holiday-themed hopes, but we hope for things year-round. I hope work chills out soon. I hope this weekend we finally just get to relax. I hope I'm not making a huge mistake here. (laughs) And as a Christian, and as a part of God's family, the definition of hope does not change. It's the same as it was before, but we receive a new anchor for our hope that all our other hopes can begin to circle around and orient themselves around. So this morning, what I want to do is I just want to walk through this passage, set up three scenes, um, and look at them through the lens of hope. Scene one. Hope gives a bold yes. Our story this morning begins with an unexpected visit. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Mary is a nobody from a nowhere town. She is a virgin, so she's barely marrying age, probably around the age of 13. Nazareth, the town she lives in, is probably under a couple hundred people, and no one knows about it. It's not even mentioned in the Old Testament as a place. Nazareth has literally zero significance except for the people who live there. So Mary has zero expectation that this visit from an angel would happen to her. And yet, here in her house is an angel and says, "Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you." Mary is confused and disturbed, and we know that because it says, "Confused and disturbed." Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. <laughs> Imagine your boss. Has anyone received the DM from your boss at work? Just like five words: "Come to my office, please." And it's probably like PLS, not even the whole please. Um, even if you're a good employee, <laughs> you—I know where your mind goes—and <laughs> um, yet. Imagine it's God and you're not even 15 yet. 15, what were you doing when you were 15? I was putting our Jeep Cherokee into reverse and backing it out of our garage, down our driveway, into the street, almost into my neighbor's house without anyone in the car. That's what I was doing when I was 15. And Mary wasn't older than that, was probably younger than that. And this teenager is wondering what could this all possibly mean and have to do with her. The angel continues, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. This is wild. I think that's just the point. (laughs) You, a virgin, will conceive. You will have a son. The name is already picked out. He will be great, the son of the Most High, a king over Israel forever. And so Mary starts at square one. But how can this happen? I'm a virgin. This is just very practical and insightful. Um, Mary has never had a baby before, not because she's unable, but because literally she has not had a chance to make one. She knows how babies are made, and this is not the way. And she also probably knows the consequences of having a baby out of wedlock in a small conservative religious town. You know, not because you might be a biblical scholar, but because you are a human person, the nasty things that would have probably been said about Mary in her hometown think for a minute, if a small town, we know this because if, if a small town had an angelic visitor and a miraculous virgin birth that everyone believed, and it was for the coming deliverance of a whole nation, that town would be lit for the rest of its life. <laughs> if people believed, it would be wild. And that did not happen. And there were probably always people who wouldn't believe that Jesus was born without a human father. Her friends, her family, her neighbors, the people whispering on the street. There would be some, and honestly, I would assume the majority, who would think she was lying, that she was mentally unstable, that she was in denial, that her husband, Joseph, who's engaged to her, was either sleazy or a joke. But how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel continues with something even more remarkable The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. The language and phrasing that this angel uses is the same language that's used to describe how God created the world. When before the world existed, the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the waters. He's essentially saying this the same God, same power, same Spirit that presided over the creation of the world from nothing into something will preside over you, over your empty womb and create this in you. And by referring to creation, what we're meant to see is that this new baby is just as big a deal as it was when God created the universe from nothing. It's another creation story in a virgin's womb. And that promise, that explanation is enough for Mary. She responds with faith. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Her hope. For Mary, God's invitation and the reality of who he is is enough. She doesn't need further proof or convincing. She doesn't ask God for endless examples of how she can know this will be true. She doesn't ask for a sign, request a down payment. She just gives a bold yes to God, trusting that the same God, who can create the universe out of nothing and can make a baby out of nothing, the same God can see her through whatever the implications of this might be. This morning, ask yourself, I invite you, I wonder, is there something in my life that God is inviting me into that I should be giving a bold yes to? I wonder in that invitation, is there something that I think is impossible or too difficult for God to do? I wonder what God, the same God who created the universe out of nothing, might have to say to me about that. I wonder what it would look like for me to place my hope in God. We move on from scene one into scene two. Mary waits a couple days and heads out to her cousin Elizabeth's house. Elizabeth and her husband Zachariah are actually the main characters of the story immediately before this one. We're told in previous verses that Elizabeth and her husband Zachariah are, quote, very old, unquote, and they have never been able to have children, even though they've always wanted them. Luke tells us they're upright and godly people. He says, Zechariah's job is a priest in the temple of God in the prominent city of Jerusalem, the opposite of Nazareth. One day when it's Zechariah's turn to go into the inner area of the temple, he's surprised to find the same angel named Gabriel waiting for him, and this angel tells him that he and Elizabeth will bear a son in their old age, which Zechariah immediately doubts. And so the angel tells him that he'll be mute and unable to speak throughout the entire term of the pregnancy, which does happen. (laughs) Note the contrast. Here is a prominent man whose child is unlikely, but not necessarily impossible, responds in doubt. Then there's the teenage girl from a backwater who having a baby is literally impossible, responding in faith. Sure enough, Elizabeth and Zachariah become pregnant. Elizabeth secludes herself for for several months until she's showing, and this is the Elizabeth that Gabriel tells Mary about and the Elizabeth that Mary goes to visit. Mary hurries off to see her, and when she arrives and sees her pregnant cousin, who's very, quote, very old, unquote, when Mary shows up, Elizabeth's baby leaps in her womb. Even this baby at six months knows what's happening. And Elizabeth herself, it says, is filled with the Holy Spirit and blesses Mary, which would have been unusual because Mary is younger than Elizabeth. Elizabeth knows in her heart who this baby will be because Elizabeth knows that her own child is supposed to prepare the way for this baby. When Elizabeth sees Mary, when the baby leaps in her womb, Elizabeth knows that Mary's child is the Lord coming for his people, arriving. She says, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. And then the clincher, which I hope echoes in our ears forever. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Blessed are you because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. The word blessed here, just so we don't miss it, means happy. (laughs) Happy are you because you believe the Lord would do what he said. It's the same type of blessing from the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the merciful. Blessed are you because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Most of us, a lot of us at least, know the rest of the story. Mary and Joseph will have this baby in a dirty stable with smelly animals because there's no room for them. When Jesus turns to The king will command all the two-year-old babies in Israel to be murdered because he's suspicious of a competitor. We know that Jesus will be mocked and ridiculed on the cross and eventually die the death of a criminal falsely accused. Much of Mary's parenthood will be difficult and strange. But Mary will still have joy in the present and in eternity because she believed God would do what he said. I wonder... Is there anything I'm missing out on because I don't believe that God would do what he said? I wonder what joy might fill my heart if I simply allowed myself to hope in a God who makes elderly, barren women into mothers and who gives generously to his people. I wonder, like Zachariah, what skepticism or cynicism might be residing in my heart that would keep me quiet when I actually could be singing. The third scene, singing is what Mary does. Anybody like a fan of like musicals or like Broadway? I don't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> Thank you. So um, there's a thing in Broadway, which maybe someone will correct me later, called a showstopper. You stop the show and you sing a song. And the song is for fun. The song is for many reasons, Um, but the song is also just because it makes you stop and think about what has happened. Also, the song gets stuck in your head for days on end. The point of this song is because Luke is inviting us by putting what Mary's saying into this, he's inviting us to slow down even more and think about what's happening here. Singing is what Mary does. She bursts into song. Likely, Mary's been thinking about this. Honestly, what else would you be thinking about for, the, for, for every day since that encounter? Mary has probably been thinking about this and chewing on it and just turning it over and over and over in her mind for days. And she sings when Elizabeth greets her and blesses her. She sings about how God has been good to her. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me. Mary rejoices because her lowliness does not keep her from receiving God's blessing. It actually puts her in the way of it. And then she sings, she almost just turns on a dime and sings about how God has been good to his people Israel. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. For he has helped his servant Israel, and he has remembered what we're hoping in, to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. To a reader who's read a lot of the Old Testament, this song would feel familiar. It's a riff. It's a sample from an earlier one. Hannah, in 1 Samuel 2, sings a very similar song. Hannah, like Elizabeth and many other women in the story of the Bible, was barren and could not have kids. But Hannah, like Elizabeth, like Mary, like many others, experienced a miraculous intervention by God and gave birth when it seemed impossible. Her son Samuel grows up to be a prophet who anoints a man named David as king of Israel, who is the great, 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 not sure how many greats, grandfather of Joseph, who is betrothed to Mary. When Hannah has her son, just like Mary, she sings. She sings that God has looked on the lowly and humble and given them favor, just like he did for Mary. She sings that God will humble the proud and lift up the humble, the people who are nobodies. And she sings that the Lord will do all this By giving strength to his king. And that king for Mary is the baby in her womb. Mary, probably turning these events over and over in her mind, realizes that in her and Elizabeth and Hannah and many other women in the Bible, God demonstrates his power in these miracles. And he's showing in these stories, one of which Mary is now living in real life herself, that his desire has always been to fulfill the promise he made to his people the promise his people were hoping in. God himself would arrive to deliver his people, first arriving humbly as a baby, someday arriving as a triumphant ruling king. In between, he invites us to give a bold yes to him and to believe that God will do all that he said he would. In some ways, Mary is the grand finale of every other story of these women. Um, if you've ever struck a gong before, has anyone ever hit a gong before? New question, all right, yeah. Okay, hitting a gong is fun as well. Um, one thing that if you are doing it for your first time, um, you might not know that if you just walk up to a gong and hit it with the mallet, it will just sound like you dropped your pan on the floor um, in your kitchen. It's not pretty. Um, what you actually have to do to a gong before you hit it is you have to just give it little taps. Um, you. You prime it, is what they call it. You prime the gong. So when you are ready to make the big hit, it blasts people away like, um, like Marty McFly in a in, in a with his aunt. <laughs> um, uh, if you prime the gong, you get Marty McFly. If you don't, you get pan on the kitchen floor. Um, in some ways, I think this is how a lot of prophecy in the Bible works, I think it's a helpful way to think about it. Um, These stories are like little taps on the gong, (laughs) priming it. Um, The gong starts to vibrate quietly, imperceptibly at times. And then, in some ways, Mary (laughs) is the gong hit, (laughs) the one that blasts everyone away. Every other story was miraculous, but no other story involves a virgin birth. In some ways, actually, yeah, in many ways, (laughs) um, this is just God um, playing the music so loudly that no one can ignore it. The new aspect of hope for a Christian is that the central hope, hope in God's deliverance and his royal reign over us for his spirit living in us, now, already, and not yet, becomes like the eye of the storm that reorients all our hopes around it. Everything else takes its place. I wonder... What it would look like for me to rejoice this season, knowing that in Christ, God's promise of deliverance to me is as good as done. Mary sings in, in the completed sense. She's not saying, he will. his mighty arm will do tremendous things. He will scatter the proud and haughty ones. He will bring down princes from their thrones and exalt the humble. She says it in the present. And she's like barely pregnant. <laughs> there is nine months of pregnancy. There is... Childhood, adulthood, there is everything that must take place in order for this to work. And she knows her hope is so solid and so trusting of the Lord that she believes that it's as good as done. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. He made this promise to our ancestors forever. I wonder what it would look like for me to rejoice this season, knowing that in Christ, God's promise of deliverance to me is as good as done.